Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. This is David, player of Nigel, the most talented wizard you ever met. This discussion was originally recorded as a part of a different podcast, of which Beth, Chad, and I were members. Since we have created our own podcast, we wanted to bring all of the class-specific episodes together under a single podcast name. Whether you have heard this before, or this is new to you, thank you for listening. Hey, welcome back to the discussion series. I'm Chad, and today we're going to be talking about the sneaky, stealthy little skill monkey known as the Rogue. Nice. And today I have with me Beth and David. Hi. David. There you go. (laughs) And Sarah. Um, So, let me see here. Today we were going to, like I said, talk about the Rogue, but first... Uh, we'd like to talk about something just near and dear to our hearts, mm-hmm. uh, and that is that just today we released the second to last episode of Redacted. How do you guys feel about this? I think it's a little bittersweet. Yeah. Anytime you end a good story, um, or at least come to some sort of ending. Um, it's a little bittersweet. I agree. Yeah, and that, yeah, that same here, and then that's you know the end of redacted. Oh, it's got that um, attached to it. I have a sinking suspicion. Redacted. We'll see him again. Of course. Really? You know, it's not guaranteed, but <laughs> I don't know. I think he dies somewhere. Redacted. Never dies. Redacted. Lived inside of us all along. (laughs) No, I think that's a feat for monks, actually. Oh, right. (laughs) That's a different episode, though. (laughs) (laughs) It is. You're you're not wrong. No, I'm really excited about uh, sort of putting a, a nice cap on that story. Uh, you know, if we decide to revisit those characters at a later date um that's cool but at the same time it is always nice to see an ending and i think this one was redacted let's get on to the main subject today which is our sneaky little rogue uh beth can you give us a rundown of maybe what has changed between second edition and first edition well absolutely the big thing, this is sort of, whenever you talk about a switch in systems, this is a complete su- system switch. So I was talking to Chad right before this, and I mentioned that the rogue was a skill monkey, as mm-hmm. many of you, I'm sure, have heard that phrase. And I said, you know, rogues have a lot of skill ranks. And then I realized, no, they don't anymore. Come on, you can do this. (laughs) They have a lot of skill proficiencies, and those proficiencies increase uh, very frequently. But there's no ranks anymore. Uh, So 
originally in uh, first edition, it was intelligence plus eight. So whatever your intelligence modifier was, plus eight, you got that many skill ranks, and you could put as many skill ranks in any skill equal to your level. For just those who are not as familiar. So you could, and then you, whatever that score ended up being, plus any other modifiers, you added to your d20 roll. So that's pretty neat. (laughs) I think for a lot of people, that is sort of the archetype of a rogue. Um, Of course, you have the stealthy and the sneaky and that kind of stuff, too. But being able to be um, the master of all skills. The jack of all trades. Yeah. Oh, nice, Chad. Yeah, very much so. Only as that phrase continues, it's supposed to be master of none. Yeah, the rogue is a master of all. (laughs) It's kind of awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so for the most part, everything else has been sort of thematically carried over. So a lot of, uh, what you used to call rogue tricks, you're going to see those come back in the form of, uh, feats. Um, you also later get weapon tricks. So that's kind of cool. Um, which increases proficiency with uh, simple weapons. Okay. And then one of the things that I thought, um, I don't know, is a bit, uh, I don't know how to say this is a bit odd from going from first edition to second edition is that the list of skills in first edition was much longer. Nice. Much longer. Especially when you counted all of the knowledge checks that you could make. (laughs) Now, in that vein, of course, you could have essentially infinite lores. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. So, I will say that for me, that was like a little disappointing. There are less skills, but you still get to be pretty great at all of them. That's right, you do. Other than that, though, the idea of the rogue, the rogue talents uh, from first edition, sneak attack, uh, all of that is still in second edition, just with updated um, mechanics. More flair. (laughs) Exactly. So, if you're transitioning from first edition to second edition, I honestly think Rogue is one of the classes that's going to have the easier time of it. I'd agree with that. Yep. Okay. Uh, Well, shall we move on to... Well, first of all, maybe some good examples of rogues and, you know, references of them, like... uh, Black Widow. Let's name off a few of them. The Hobbits from The Lord of the Rings. 
They would make excellent rogues. Pierre Despero. Robin Hood is more somewhat of a ranger, but also a little bit of a rogue. He's a charmer and a thief. You know, Carrie Elways is the best Robin Hood. Green Arrow, that's more of the thuggish type of rogue. And the Dread Pirate Roberts. That's, that's a pretty damn good rogue. But the most dastardly of all rogue references, probably politicians. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, come on. I thought <laughs> They're going to talk sure. you right out of all your gold. I thought for sure you were going to say Han Solo. Oh, no, he's not dastardly. He's just sexy. Uh, all right. So how about we talk more about the ancestries now? Uh, what strikes you as a rogue ancestry? So before we start oh, going into actual sorry. details, I do want to mention. All right. Reel it in, Chad. You play what you want. Right. Absolutely. So when we talk about thematically or, uh, you know, this might fit in terms of mechanics. Um, this might be something that you'd want to pick because it's a good choice for the rogue uh, versus a story reason. You'll hear that a lot. Um, I, I think some people who uh, in like the early 2000s uh, are familiar with the Stormwind f- fallacy uh the what 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 uh so the idea that you cannot have a mechanically strong character as well as fun thematic options and you have to choose which one you're going to pick whenever we're talking about the couple ancestries we're going to point out i want to just make it known that You play what you want to play. You pick the choices that you're going to pick that you have come to at your table with yourself, with the people at your table, with your GM. You know, we're all in this together. Um, If we want to sing a full house theme song. I'm 26, Beth. I don't know what you want from me. So just be aware that if another person at your table picks something because they think that it's appropriate for their character... Uh, even if it may not be, quote-unquote, the strongest choice, um, I would personally say respect that choice. So I just wanted to kind of say that. However, that being said... 100% agreed, though. Because (laughs) if you're not going to choose something that you enjoy, you're not going to enjoy playing the character. What's the point, then? But at the same time, you can make these strong choices work story-wise for you and be very fun. Oh, that's true, too. I think the elves are a somewhat strong choice for Rose. And when I started playing her and researching the elves, there were so many things from their backgrounds. I was like, oh, man, this is so awesome. I can't wait to introduce this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. You can make them work. You can make something else work. You could be a freaking half-orc rogue, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. They're not a stealthy... Uh, excuse you. But who cares? They're fun. And you can sync points from your class to make it so that you're stealthy. You know what I mean? Just because you don't uh-huh. may not get those bonuses up front. So, yeah, that's kind of setting my soapbox aside. That That's one of the things that uh, I wanted to point out. That being said... Human. Human is good for just about everything. 
specifically in this case, uh, David, you'll know this. What is the ability they get that modifies your skills? David. It's I think it's a feat. Skill, skilled heritage, like where yes. you get to right off the bat? Correct. Yeah, that, I believe that's the human heritage of skilled heritage. Awesome. Uh, that's very good for the rogue. That being yeah, said... Right. Um, that being said... I know that you'll pick up those traits in other places too. So if having every single skill isn't as important to you, that may not be your choice, but human is always a good, always a a powerful pick and, you know, can be a fun pick. Uh, It's very versatile. Very. Uh, Especially with the other, um, Heritage feat, which uh, gives a feat, I do believe. Versatile heritage. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to select a general feat. That's pretty good. I, I like yeah. the, uh, just thinking about it right now, I liked uh, Chad's idea of a half-orc. Mm-hmm. Because you could, you could still be very, very sneaky, but then you're like seven feet tall. <laughs> and you just you're just behind everybody all of a sudden and screaming at him. Yeah, I do like that. That's really great. Tons of intimidation right out the bat. Right. So I have I have to kind of have a confession uh with you guys. Uh-oh. Here we go. Uh I am actually very biased against uh the human ancestry. <gasps> Gasp. And I think I blame it on World of Warcraft. So I, I, <laughs> I played a human priest in World of Warcraft. And I felt like everybody else was cooler than me. Same though. And I kind of feel the way th- that way with uh, Pathfinder as well. Even in first edition. It's cooler to play a gnome. Or a halfling, or an elf. Like it's fun to be something that we're not, right? So for me, picking human, I, I very rarely play human characters. Right, and that's your your play style, you know. But there's also some people out there who prefer to kind of put themselves in the game. Mm-hmm. So they don't like to vary from the human class. There are some who just, hey, no, this character feels like they would be a human. Why not? Um, And once again, they're very versatile. So we're not saying there's anything wrong with humans. Humans are great. But Beth would prefer not to play them. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I always... I always sort of liked the uh, Tolkien view of humans. You know, they, they live short lives, but because they live short lives, there's a lot of urgency to do things all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how you'd um, end up with so many human adventurers. Exactly. Yeah. So they live such short lives, but they try to make those short lives much more meaningful. Burn bright while you can, buddy. Mm-hmm. Which is the uh, old version of YOLO. Nice. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, 
She did it. Anyway. Night, everybody. <laughs> so the other ancestors that I wanted to just quickly point out as what I believe to be particularly good options. Goblins. Goblins. Goblins sure. are... Yeah, goblins are, are really fun. Being smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's thematically appropriate. They get an ability boost to both uh, charisma and dexterity. Uh, wisdom being your dump stat. Um, if, you know, you want to have an eight in wisdom, you're going to have an eight in wisdom, and that's just how it is. That's fine. Uh, I know a lot of characters that have had either a wisdom or more often than not charisma qual or uh, dump stats for character builds that I have. So uh, they also get dark vision, which I know, I know is kind of silly, but I just always like characters and uh, ancestries that have dark vision. Absolutely. It's so it useful. Just, it can be. Um, Usually when you're traveling around, which, you know, we've seen at the table different times, is that if you're walking around with a bunch of humans, your dark vision isn't really going to come in handy too much. Because you're always going to have light off, light on anyway. Darn humans. But when it comes down to it, you're going to be able to see farther, and that's going to be awesome. Well, now you see, at some point, I think... Redacted gonna like go ahead of the magic users in the party and kind of scout things out a bit probably we're gonna abandon our wizard that's what you're <laughs> why not i got a druid he can shape shift into a mantis a praying mantis yeah praying all day all right anyway <laughs> uh the last one that i wanted to point out that i just personally think is the most thematic is gnome. So gnomes are when you look through like a uh, fairy tale are usually very tricks trickster based, very uh easygoing, uh don't cross them, but have this jovialness to them in in some ways of popular culture. In Pathfinder, gnomes are almost frantically looking for the next thing, to be interested, to be engaged. And what's more engaged than a rogue? Who's always thinking combat tactics, who's always thinking of that a next best heist. Get in, loser, we're going on a heist. You know, mm-hmm. what else is there gnomes are in my opinion the most flavorful pick i'd agree with that they're very interesting um and they happen to have that one ancestral feat or heritage that allows them to actually shift their own colors and the colors of the Mm -hmm. environment around them Correct. So when they do that, they get a plus two to stealth. Yeah, so that's, that's the chameleon cool. gnome, and yeah, that was pretty cool. Come on, come on, come on, come on, chameleon. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say that when I saw that, I didn't squee a little bit. 
Yeah, I hadn't read through Gnome. That makes them sound pretty appealing. It, right? it really does. <laughs> I mean, anytime you can get a circumstance bonus on stealth checks, eh, rogues are pretty happy. Plus, and they also get freak out your party a little bit when you just suddenly blend in with the background. Ghosted. Mm-hmm. So for them, as much as they are to me a thematic pick, they also weren't a bad uh, strategic pick. So there's that. It's a ghost. Gnome heritage, and then for the base gnome, you're going to get constitution, which as rogues know you're gonna need those hp like you need it <laughs> or you're yeah. gonna die uh yeah. if you're hit. uh so that's handy then charisma most rogues are gonna use that and the ability flaw is strength which most of your abilities are gonna be off of decks anyway uh for go. the most part so that's pretty awesome now, I know that Chad is probably upset with me right now because I did not mention the elf. How dare you? I talk about the elves. They're badass. I, and I knew you would. <laughs> Come on. I, look, they all get bonuses to decks. Okay, that's great. Well, you know, whatever. But they also happen to get a little bit of magic. I mean, let's see. What, what was that heritage that I chose? Well, I chose uh, Cavern Elf for mine. That just gives me dark vision. But ancestral feet-wise, you can get otherworldly magic. That allows you a cantrip. That's something most rogues are not going to be able to get. So... Pick up message. Later on, you can get it again. Pick up mage hand. There's so many things you can get with these cantrips that are very useful to rogues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so- and there are plenty of other elf heritages that are useful for rogues. Mm-hmm. I just happen to love the cavern elf idea. So I do think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So let's talk briefly about backgrounds this is in my opinion the best place to shine for your thematic choice so you've got your criminals your charlatans your gamblers heck even the prisoner makes sense <laughs> uh so i know Not to mention all the ones that you can get from future you know adventure paths Mm-hmm, absolutely. The thing about the rogue is usually, I'm not saying 100% of the time, I am saying 90% of the time, <laughs> something bad has happened in your life that has led you to be a rogue, right? Yeah. Traditionally, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> rogues are not happy people. Tragedy. Or they might be happy, but they're not... They have not necessarily led the best of lives. <laughs> so I personally think that when you pick your, your background, have that represent where, where you think your character truly came which I know is what a background is, but you, you get the idea. Don't pick it for mechanics. 
Mm. You can, but don't. (laughs) I I just thought of a a friendly example, actually. Hmm. Indiana Jones. (laughs) He could be a great rogue. He's not a rogue. He's not exactly unhappy, you know? He's a rogue. He's using dexterity to get all over the place with that whip. Come on now. Yeah, that's probably true. And he's delving through all these dungeons with traps. Come on now. Just because I do terrible at checking for traps doesn't mean that he does. That is very true. I was going to say, from our game experience, rogues don't dodge traps very well. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> now, we're getting into spoilers there just a little bit. But oh. With that one, because that episode has not released just yet. Eh. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Uh, One point to make towards the uh, happy rogue is gnomes. Because you mentioned they're they're just bouncing from one thing to the other, just trying to find the next thing to do. Mm -hmm. That might be your best bet towards a happy, upbeat rogue. Mm -hmm. They could just be having fun chasing down gold. I mean, come on, it's shiny. Who wouldn't want to have lots of gold in their pocket? Says the rogue. (laughs) Yeah, I want more gold. Give me your gold. So getting into the rogue themselves, I want to talk about, in my opinion, the best part of second edition rogue, which is the rackets. They're fun. They are so fun. So just in case you're not aware, the racket is how you, quote unquote, rogue. This is how you've shaped your techniques, how you do your job, how you be a living. Mm -hmm. Now, what is your racket, Chad? Uh, Mine is Thief. Uh, she's always been trained to uh, pick pockets and steal anything glittery, hmm. basically anything that will turn up the most profit. But you could also pick the scoundrel or the ruffian, and I'm positive mm-hmm. more rackets are going to come out eventually. Oh, I hope so. Uh, the scoundrel seems more like a politician. They're more about talking their way out of conver- out of uh, trouble. And maybe conning someone out of money through their own words. Um, the ruffian, I think I talked a little bit about the green arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of more the ruffian that way. I mean, they'll shoot you with an arrow first, then come up and beat you in the face with their bow. Uh, and just so, shake you down for money. So with the, with the ruffian, that might fit your half-orc concept yeah. you were talking about. Because they do use strength as their ability score, not dex. 100%. Same as the scoundrel. The scoundrel uses charisma. So that is really one of my favorite things about uh, the rogue is the rackets. So give your character more of an identity through these rackets. Exactly. You also have sneak attack. Knife. They've always had sneak attack. Sneak attack. (laughs) You can't have a rogue without sneak attack. Knife in your back. Right? so beautiful. (laughs) Um, So basically, sneak attack is um, 
I believe if the enemy is flat-footed to you or is unaware of your presence, you get to attack them either from range or up close and add an extra d6 to your damage. And that increases as you level up. So by 17th level, I believe you get to do 4d6. Not bad. Yeah, 4d6 is not bad. on top of the damage you're already doing. Right. <laughs> and on top yeah. of that, the rogue is basic, has so many things included in it that allows you to make your enemies flat-footed. So many feats. Just to do that so that basically you're always going to be hitting your enemy with sneak attack damage. Mm-hmm. Whether you're hidden or not. <laughs> Which, until just recently... Redacted. Now she wants to be hidden. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I love it. I really do. I think that in terms of flavor, the rogue feels like the rogue. You know? Yeah. You have simple weapon proficiencies. So we're talking basic weapons. You've got light armor. You don't want anything heavy on. And you've got all the skills that you could want. (laughs) They get the normal skill increases that all classes get, but they also have a lot of feats that help out with that too. Yes. So looking ahead in terms of playing a rogue, Chad, Mm -hmm. what are you looking forward to the most? Well, to be honest, the thing I'm looking forward to right now I can't talk about but Mm -hmm. after that um, I'm looking forward to debilitating strike Mm -hmm. at ninth level that is so sexy you get to add (laughs) so many debilitating effects to Mm -hmm. your enemies just for hitting them such as flat footed Uh, you can I believe take off some of their AC uh, there's just so many things you can do. It's so beautiful. And later on, you can ab- apply two of these effects with one hit. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I see here a target takes negative 10 foot status penalty to speed. Yeah. And uh, another choice would be you get enfeebled one. It, it's so beautiful. <laughs> just the <laughs> amount of things I can do. To screw with the enemies right there. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to being a rogue. I feel like that yeah. is that should be the name of the rogue handbook. Find ways to screw over your enemies. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that sounds about right. Eventually, I can also apply poisons to my weapons. Mm-hmm. Which, I believe the feat itself actually gives you... Um, just, poison weapon. It, well, it gives you a certain amount of just re- regular poison every day, like three vials of it or something like that. During so you your daily eat. preparations, you can prepare a number 
of simple yeah. injury potions equal to your rogue level. <laughs> and they deal 1d4 poison damage. That's so many poisons I can just keep on me. Yeah, that is kind of cool. <laughs> and I mean, while it's not like a huge amount, it's something. Yeah, and the soonest that you can get that is fourth level. Right. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then you were talking about getting uh, cantrips from your from your elf or your gnome. You know, you got feats just to pull that right out of the robe, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't... Now, you guys might know a little bit more about this than myself, but in D&D, there was an archetype called the Arcane Trickster. I think it's in 5th edition, too. Yes, yeah. So the Arcane Trickster, that kind of fits with that theme of being able to cast a few cantrips. Yeah, that, that's that's what I thought, certainly, when I was reading through those portions. While we're looking over the rogue, what do you think is either something you think is missing or your least favorite part about them? I personally want to see more rackets. Uh, three rackets are it's a great start, but I want options. I mean, you guys will hear me say that probably a hundred times. I want more options just as we keep going along. Now, in October, they're uh, releasing another book, so there'll be more options in there, but more options is better options. Well, I, I saw uh, a post about this online. Maybe I'm not seeing it, but um, I'd like to see a few more options that might enhance your throne weapons. Ah, okay. Because there, you know, that somebody was asking about you know, how, how do you focus a f- some kind of a character on specifically thrown weapons, and there there isn't a lot out there. Hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. What about you, Chad? All right, so the one thing that I don't particularly like about the Rogue is that dual wielding is not particularly incorporated into it. Uh, And basically right now I'm looking for ways to incorporate other versions of dual wielding. Redacted. There's a little thing here from Twin Faint, but Mm -hmm, it's not that. that great. It's not the same. And I yeah. absolutely understand uh, that it doesn't feel like the same thing. Exactly. I've always sort of liked the uh, the idea of holding, you know, some sort of weapon in your offhand that's like a like parrying weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little bump to your AC if you take an action, that kind of a thing. I agree, and I'd I'd really considered for a while taking something to allow me to parry, but it seems like it's it doesn't work out well between trying to find finesse weapons to do this, and I I, I can't remember right now, but there was I was having some sort of trouble finding something that could parry and be a finesse weapon and mm. something else. Can the rapier? So I eventually just. 
Can the rapier parry? See, I thought it could, but there was something wrong with it. I'll I'll look that up. You guys keep on talking. Uh, listeners, if you have any build suggestions for Chad, definitely put them up on our Facebook page. Yeah, oh, and if, please do. I'm always interested to look at those. And if we got something wrong like we did with the wizard, let us know, too. Uh, should okay, we introduce so a uh, corrections section? <laughs> Be too big. Nice, Beth. Rapier, is, its traits are deadly D8, disarm, and finesse. Hmm. So no actual parry. Disarm is interesting. That's certainly interesting. But uh, other than that, no parry. Which... If, I re- if I remember right, I think most of the parry weapons were two-handed. Yeah, or... There was one that I believe was a monastic weapon. And I was like, ooh, this is really cool. I could incorporate... Oh, it's monastic. I have to be a monk. That bow staff. <sighs> I don't hmm. think it was a bow staff. It was some kind of uh, a stabby <laughs> weapon. Oh, I, I gotcha. So, how does it feel to play a rogue, Chad? How does it feel... Uh, it feels dangerous. Like I'm gonna stab someone so many times in the face. Spoilers, Rip. Redacted. Uh, anyhow. So you like <laughs> stabbing? That's what I'm hearing right now. Oh, why not? Um, let me see what the heck was I looking up. Okay, sorry. Uh, how it feels to be a rogue? Once again, dangerous. Um, it also feel it feels kind of like glass cannon, but you know, not ranged, <laughs> more like a glass dagger. Um, but you know, they have those in Skyrim. They do, and they're very powerful, and they don't break. See, so you'll be fine. <laughs> Darn yeah. Skyrim logic. I do think with your starting hit points of fifteen, that. A well-placed critical might be your downfall. I, I would agree. So you should watch out for those. <laughs> um, yeah. They yeah, don't have a ton of hit points. But then this... again, I mean, how many hit points does the wizard have? Oh, I think the wizard's at 15 as well. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm just you're... as squishy as you. With a little more I... AC, I believe. I just stay far away. Yeah. That's that always a good choice. That is fair. Well, I think that kind of summarizes our talk on the rogue. If you guys have any other input or there's something that we missed, definitely let us know. I wanted to end this episode with a tangent of the week, which we haven't had in a while. And this is something that's a little near and dear to me. So there is a college town in southern Illinois uh, called Carbondale. It is uh, home of the uh, Salukis, Southern Illinois University. There is a memorial park there called uh, Jeremy Rockman Memorial Park or Boo Park. A lot of us who are local to that area call it Castle Park. 
And the reason that I mentioned this, and we'll include a link to a local news article that talks about this. They're doing a fundraiser right now uh, to fund this park. The reason I wanted to bring it up, Boo died when he was 19 in a car accident. This was in 1994. And his family built this park in his honor as a way to have his memory live on. There is a castle with hidden passageways and multi-tier floors, and it is meant for kids to play. It it is a playground. There's local art uh, done by artists, all of it meant to be played on. Uh, There's a few sculptures. I say that, but there are a few sculptures. Like There's a unicorn made of wire. You're not going to play on that. But there are two two dragons that are the size of cars. And (laughs) yeah, they're awesome. Uh, They are meant to be played on uh, and climbed. And it is... I know this sounds cheesy, but it is a magical place. There is limited parking. (laughs) I will say that. (laughs) But it is somewhere that I took my nieces uh, while I was going to school there all the time. As often as we could, we would have a picnic and they would run around and play tag and they would play fantasy one of them was a princess and the other was a warrior and the warrior, well, she always lost to the princess, <laughs> but that's okay. They had fun. It's a wonderful, wonderful park. I really, if you're in the Southern Illinois area, which I'm um, doubtful many of you are, uh, I would check it out. But also I want you guys to be inspired by this. A real-life castle built for children, specifically because of Dungeons & Dragons, because of tabletop role-playing games, because we want our imaginations to run wild. And if you just want to Google image search Castle Park Carbondale, you will find some lovely images, and I hope that for the tangent of the week, you're inspired by this because being a teenager in that area, being uh, a college student in that area, I know I was. And to me, it felt like a space where we could all be princess warriors. I think this is absolutely beautiful. And I think I know where we're all going on our next field trip. So let's go. Redacted. I'm fine with this. Uh, My (laughs) parents have two spare bedrooms. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, I think that's all we have for tonight. See y'all guys soon. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 
at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.